Hello, everybody. It is Michael back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I really appreciate you guys' support a ton. The Clips channel has been doing just so phenomenal. It really means a lot to me. I've put in a lot of work, and we're just going to try and keep growing. The downloads are going up on audio platforms. Everything's doing super well, so I just appreciate you guys a ton. And yeah, let's get right into it. We got a lot to talk about in today's episode. First thing I do want to talk about is Tyron Lue being signed by the Los Angeles Clippers to a five-year contract to be their next coach after they uh, fired Doc Rivers. And this is a move that I have very, very mixed feelings on because honestly, I just don't know how Tyron Lue is as a coach, even though we saw him for multiple years be the coach. He was more of a player's coach. And I really don't know uh, much about his X's and O's, to be honest, as it was uh, very reliant on LeBron. And when Kyrie Irving was there, there wasn't much of an offensive system there, Uh, even though there was some nice things uh, that he did, uh, like certain things where he would do a Kyrie and LeBron pick and roll. That's a nice thing to do where you just get your best two offensive weapons. And maybe we can see things like that with the Clippers with maybe a Paul George and Kawhi pick and roll uh, to try and force a switch or something like that. Uh, Certain things like that uh, could be a good sign. But again, I really just don't know how good he is as a coach. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because I I heard uh, King in the Fourth Quarter, who's one of my favorite NBA YouTubers, He's just great at what he does, and he's a big inspiration for me. He talked about how, like, this is basically as high of a pressure of a season as it can be for the Clippers, which I've heard multiple people say. And it's just so true because with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being both on one-year contracts now where they can uh, both opt out of their player options and with them failing the way they did this year, you have to be very, very worried as any member of the uh, Los Angeles Clippers front office, any of their fans, this is a win. Uh, this is a must win season for them. And if they don't win, there's going to be huge repercussions coming with that. Cause they obviously traded so much for Paul George. They traded Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis Alexander and seven first round picks for Paul George. So it's a really, really interesting spot to be in. And especially with Ty Lue signing a five year contract, I just don't know how to feel, Uh, and honestly, even though we don't know much about his X's and O's, I think the most important thing about this Clippers team is honestly uh, his ability to manage the egos in that locker room, as there's been reports coming out that some of the players, uh, and some of the role players were frustrated with the treatment guys like uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were getting, especially with Kawhi with the load management. And I don't know if those are 100% true. I don't know if that's just the media trying to uh, stir things. But if that is true, it's going to be huge for Ty Lue to try and manage these egos because that's a big part of coaching. Like, obviously, the X's and O's are important. And we see Eric, uh, coaches like Eric Spolstra, coaches, uh, so many great coaches, guys like Brad Stevens, Nick Nurse. Uh, that can really make the difference in the series. But it's just as important uh, to manage the egos and make sure everyone is happy on the team and uh, that they're all really riding for each other. So uh, that's a good sign that Ty Lue has a history of doing that. He was their assistant coach this year, so uh, the players have experience with him already. He's been in that locker room. He knows uh, those guys. And 
uh, hopefully this is just a sign that the Clippers do believe in him and believe that he can be a long-term head coach and believe that they can be a championship-level team because this is a necessity that they at least make the finals. And honestly, I think they have to win the finals this year. And they got tough competition. The Lakers are going to be just as good next year. Uh, I don't really expect LeBron to really take any step back. And even if it is a bit of a step back, it'll be very marginal. And honestly, all I expect AD to do is continue to get better. So it's a must-win season for them with tough competition. And uh, Kawhi needs to step up. Paul George needs to step up. And this is a huge season for them. This is uh, huge for Ty Lue because he has a lot to prove here. And hopefully he can fix some of their problems because I want to see this Clippers team succeed. I really like watching Kawhi Leonard. He's one of my favorite players in the whole league to watch just with how automatic he is. And it'd be cool to see Paul George prove some of his doubters wrong with him consistently uh, having these issues in these past couple playoffs. And then it'd be good for their fans who have dealt with a lot of struggles. Uh, They haven't made it to a conference finals yet. So uh, hopefully this can be a good signing for them. I don't know how to feel about it, but... uh, Maybe this will be a positive. Maybe this will be a negative. Or maybe this is just going to be like Doc Rivers and the players are simply going to have to play better because uh, coaching can only go uh, a long a long enough way. Like At a certain point, the players have to go out there and execute, no matter how bad the uh, coaching game plan is. And sometimes you have to adjust the coaching game plan and not follow exactly what the coach is telling you to do sometimes you just have to go out there and play basketball like at a certain point paul george cannot be hitting side of the backboard threes in game seven and Kawhi can't be shooting seven of 22 uh some of that is bad coaching by doc rivers for sure some of that was definitely bad coaching him doubling nicole Jokic, who's the greatest passing big man we've ever seen embarrassing like that's a terrible idea and everybody knows that uh so, I mean, it's going to be an interesting signing for the Clippers. And both sides have a lot to prove. This Clippers team and Ty Lue have a lot to prove. So, this is a huge season. And it's a must-win uh, championship for them. And that's it's going to be tough for them for sure. But I don't know how to feel on this signing. Uh, this is more of just a wait-and-see thing for me at this point. Next, I want to talk about Daryl Morey stepping down. As the Houston Rockets GM, this was definitely a big surprise as he's been uh, the GM for 13 years now, and it was pretty out of the blue to see him step down. And I think we could be seeing big moves coming to the Houston Rockets very soon. As under Daryl Morey, they were actually they were very successful. Uh, I saw a thing where it was like after the James Harden trade, every well 29 teams missed. Uh, missed the playoffs at least once and the only team who didn't miss the playoffs after the James Harden trade was the Houston Rockets so even though they haven't been able to get to that championship ceiling yet uh, they were close and obviously the Chris Paul injury happened Uh, they had the uh, biggest cold streak in NBA history basically with them missing 27 straight threes so they easily could have been uh, a championship team but some things went wrong and I think uh, overall Daryl Morey is been a very good GM for uh, them. He's done his best to 
uh, fit his best player style. And uh, but overall, I think he's definitely made some big uh, mistakes as a GM. I think the small ball thing was cool in concept, and I still like small ball. I like the idea of having the ability to go to that, but doing it an entire game, especially in a conference where you got bigs like Anthony Davis and Nicole Jokic you're going to have to face, I just thought that was a really big mistake. The Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook trade, uh, in hind- obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but Chris Paul is a better basketball player than Russell Westbrook, and they also gave four additional first-round picks for that, and it's it's definitely a bad move looking in hindsight but honestly other than that he hasn't made that many bad moves it's just uh i don't think mike d'antoni is a championship level coach to be totally honest and i don't think this analytic style of basketball that they've had for these uh past couple years was a good idea to go so all in on this like basically eliminating a big part of basketball i think that's a terrible idea and we've seen with the 27 uh straight missed threes that it can go very very wrong and i mean it can go right too they were in a 3-2 situation against arguably the greatest team of all time in the golden state warriors uh but sometimes you're gonna go on these uh cold streaks and like they say if you live by the three at a certain point you die by the three And even with a team like the Warriors, who is well known for popularizing this modern style of basketball and heavy uh, three-point shooting volume, uh, they were a team that actually shot some of the most, I think, if not the most mid-ranges in the whole league. Uh, Steph Curry went to the mid-range a lot more uh, in these most recent years. Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant's one of the best mid-range scorers of all time. So I just think this way of eliminating one uh, a whole part of basketball and basically saying only threes or layups is a terrible idea. And then what they've done with James Harden, where he really just doesn't move off the ball anymore and all he does is stand when he doesn't have the ball. I think that's a very big mistake too, as multiple times I've advocated for the importance of off-ball movement. And uh, the co-star on this team, Russell Westbrook, is a player who basically, under any coach he's had, has never moved off ball, even though he's so athletic, and he could, I think he could be a great cutter, and he could just, even if he's not necessarily necessary scoring off these off-ball movements, uh, it would just be important to uh, distract the defense, and they'd have to focus on him. So I think a new coach could definitely be a big uh a difference for them and I think even getting a guy like Aaron Baines you don't need a great center you don't need one of the best centers in the league to make this team work getting a guy like Aaron Baines who would still fit their style of three-point shooting and uh, could just get out of the way for James Harden he'd be perfectly fine with sitting in the corner if they could get a guy like that for maybe the mid-level exception I think that'd be an incredible move for them because they could still go to their small ball but they'd have a guy who is uh, sturdy, he's very strong, and he's proven. He's played in uh, the league for many years, and he just had a, a career year with the Suns, even though he definitely slowed down uh, later in the season and he didn't get to play in the bubble uh, due to him catching COVID-19. Uh, he had overall still a really good season last year, and like I said, he'd just be so perfect uh, for that role. 
maybe you could try and trade for a guy like Dwayne Dedman, who even though he had a really bad season last year, uh, if he could be good again, he would fit perfectly with the Rockets style of basketball. Getting just guys like those and then maybe getting a solid guy who even doesn't, uh, even isn't a three-point shooting big. Uh, You could maybe uh, get a guy in like the second round of this year's draft. There's some uh, solid big men in this year's draft. A guy like Daniel Otoro is a guy who could be an Aaron Baines type player and has shown potential as a three-point shooter. I really like him. If you watch uh, my scouting report on him, I'm a big, big fan of him. And I think he'd be perfect for the Rockets if they were able to trade up in the second round. So they can definitely uh, get guys, even though it may not be the big name necessarily, if they just get guys who fit their style of play and then they could still go to the small ball sometimes, like the Warriors, where the Warriors have always had just solid uh, they're very replaceable, but just decent centers that I have played for them. And then they go to the small ball with uh, Draymond at the five when they had the death lineup with uh, Curry, Clay, Iguodala, Katie, and then Draymond. That's a lineup that they didn't run for a whole game ever. That would just be something they pulled out late in the game to throw a team off and to really maximize their offensive talent, to maximize the athleticism out there. So if you want to go with a guy like Robert Covington or a guy like P.J. Tucker at center for just spurts in the game, I think that can work for sure. And this could also go in a different direction, where instead of just trying to run it back, get solid uh, rotational big men who can uh, fix some of the Rockets' weakness, they could go in the direction of blowing it up too. But the only issue... Well, the big issue with uh, going with that is that uh, many of their picks for them are going to OKC in the future. And the benefit of uh, blowing it up and trying to just lose games with young talent on your roster is because they'd have their own picks and you'd uh, make make selections with those. So I don't think it's time to blow it up uh, right now necessarily. But it definitely could be coming in the future. And I mean, this 2021 draft, I haven't really done much research on it. But everything I've heard about it is that it's one of the most stacked ones in a while. So if you wanted to blow it up now, I mean, I guess you could do that. And that would be interesting. Obviously, James Harden is an incredibly valuable piece with him being one of the seven or so best players in the whole NBA and just him being a generational talent, a future Hall of Fame player, one of the best shooting guards to ever play the game of basketball, uh, that uh, player, a player like him has a ton of weight and a ton of value around the league. And I'm sure you could get some some uh, big assets for him. You could get many first-round picks as well as young players. Or you could even get uh, first-round picks, young players, and uh, players that could still help you be a decent enough team where it wouldn't be an issue uh, with you not owning some of your picks in the future. A guy like Russell Westbrook, uh, on the other hand, though, I really don't see much value in him. Uh, Just with the season he had, his constant uh, playoff uh, chokes, even though he had a good like February that month where he was just going crazy. I remember that very vividly. Uh, He had an insane game on my Celtics. Uh, He was really good for that, but... Uh, The playoffs, even though you could definitely say he was coming back from injury, he was coming back from COVID-19, there's a ton of reasons why he um, failed in the playoffs, but also a lot of it is just mentally, and then 
and then him still having these same issues that have plagued him for his entire career. And I just don't see him at this point becoming that much of a better player. His uh, athleticism will probably be on the decline soon as he is in, uh, an aging point guard. And with how much he relies on his athleticism, I think many teams would be scared to trade for him. And with that big contract... But I could see, if you wanted to go in a full blow-it-up direction, I could see a team like the Knicks, who's uh, desperate for star talent, uh, trading maybe Julius Randle, and then some young players, maybe some picks for Russell Westbrook. I could see something like that. But that would be in a full, full uh, blow-it-up, try and just trade uh, everything to get as much young talent, as much future assets as you can. And I just don't see them going in that, in that direction, at least now. I could see that in a year, though. If they fail yet again, I just can't see them keeping James Harden on their this team. And I can't see James Harden wanting to be on the team anymore. Uh, if I was him, I would have already requested a trade this offseason now. Uh, just because there's been constant failures on this team. And even though I think they've built well around him... For him to get as many points as he has, to get as many assists as he has, I don't think they've built well around him to play winning basketball. Like I said, with just the style of basketball they play, I just don't think it's very conclusive to winning at the highest level. It'll win you regular season games and it'll win you some playoff series, but you're not going to be a team like the Lakers playing like they do. I don't even think they're going to be able to be a team like the Clippers playing the way they do. The Nuggets, I think the Mavericks are a better team. Uh, the Jazz could beat them. The Warriors next year are going to be back. This is going to be a stacked Western Conference, and they could be left behind. Uh, they could be like a sixth seed, and that would be very, very concerning for them because they have talent. Uh, but like I said, it's going to be stacked Western Conference next year, and I just think a lot of those teams are better than them. I just, I just can't continue to try and have hope for a team that has failed over and over again. And I just can't have hope for a team with James Harden playing the way basketball he does. If they get a new coach who implements a new system, if their new GM doesn't believe in this small ball style of basketball, I could see this working. If James Harden is moving more off ball, and if somehow they can get Russell Westbrook to move off ball, if James Harden is used more in pick and roll, which he's so deadly in, but because of the small ball and they're the other team's just basically going to switch everything. The pick and roll isn't as effective, but we saw when Clint Capella was on the uh, their team, James Harden was one of the best pick and roll players in the whole league uh, with how deadly he is as a passer because it made it tough where James Harden was either going to get the lob, he was uh, going to penetrate and get a foul or, get, uh, or score, or he was going to be able to kick it out to a shooter in the corner. So if they could do that, I could see this team working, but it's not a team I'm going to have a ton of belief in. And the Houston Rockets' future is something that's super interesting to me, and I'd be interested to see what direction they're going to go in. This offseason is going to be really fun. Even though it doesn't have as many big names, it has a lot of role players that teams like the Rockets could use. So this offseason is pivotal for them, and I think it could decide uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook's future with this team. Next, I want to do a recap of my best moments, well, my favorite moments from the 2020 NBA season. This was just an absolutely phenomenal one, and I thought I'd do a little bit of a list of just my favorite moments from it. 
Uh, a lot of these are from the bubble. A lot of these are from the regular season. And let's just get right into it. Uh, these are in no particular order. Uh, this isn't in order of by the year. This isn't in order by my favorite. Uh, this was just completely off the top of my head. I have 25 moments in here, and I'll just hit on each of them and talk about why I love them so much. First, starting off, we got Jason Tatum's hot streak. Uh, he had about a month period where he was looking like one of the best players in the entire league. And as a Celtics fan, as a guy who uh, was a big believer in Jason Tatum, it made me so happy and excited to see him just go off the way he did. This was definitely capped off uh, by the two main performances that stand out in my mind, which was his 40-point game against the Los Angeles Lakers, where uh, they very, very narrowly lost to the Lakers without Kemba Walker, and the double overtime game against the Clippers that they won in TD Garden uh, when Jason Tatum had another incredible game with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George guarding him. He went off for over 40 this game. Kemba had that incredible setback. Just overall, that game was amazing. And yeah, Jason Tatum's hot streak was something that was really special to watch, especially just as a Celtics fan, man. This one really meant a lot to me. Uh, it made me so happy. That Clippers game was one of the, my favorite games I've ever watched, to be honest. The double overtime. There was just so much that happened that game. It was really exciting. And shout out to Jason Tatum. I think he's in for a huge season next year. And that that crazy streak that he went on where he really ascended into uh, superstar, near superstar status was a real spectacle to watch. Uh, two, as a Luka Doncic fan, Luka Doncic is my favorite player in the whole league. I had to put... His butt buzzer beater and just basically his whole series versus the Clippers. But this buzzer beater in this game was just absolutely insane. On a hurt ankle, Luka Doncic puts up 43 points, 17 rebounds, and 13 assists to lead the Mavericks to a win capped off by one of the best uh, game-winning game shots I've seen in a while with that crazy step back over Reggie Jackson. It was just such an iconic game. It had I just remember the feeling of like Twitter going crazy. I literally like put my phone uh, away from me just so I wouldn't even see what happened cuz my game was behind uh basically everyone else's. So and then I was just watching it. I I stood up and I just started like running around my house. It was so exciting just as a huge Luka fan. I've been a big believer in him. Uh, ever since he came into the league, ever since the draft, he was someone I just believed in a ton. It makes me really proud to see him just perform so well. And it was so exciting to see this incredible game, incredible uh, buzzer beater. Especially with the context of him having to face so many good defenders, with him being on a hurt ankle. One of the most special moments of the NBA season. And I'm sure this would be up there for a lot of people as their favorite moment. Uh, number three, this isn't really a specific moment, but we just got uh, all the exciting stuff that John Morant did this season, all the posters, all the incredible dribble moves, uh, all uh, the near posters, like him almost jumping over Kevin Love to dunk, uh, him uh, dunking on Aaron Baines. He caught some incredible lobs this season. Uh, the move he did against the Warriors where he faked out two defenders and got an easy bucket. The game uh, against the Rockets where he had a huge game against James Harden. Uh, 
they were letting him shoot and he was hitting threes like crazy that game. There was just so many moments from John Morant that it's impossible to pick one. He had one of the most electrifying rookie years in a long time and is just such an exciting player to watch. I still think he has a lot to work on in his game. I don't even think he's the best player on his team, but he was so fun to watch this year. And you really just got to appreciate the excitement he brought to an organization uh, who had been really just like falling off in terms of uh, them as a team and in terms of the excitement around them for a long time now. Uh, He nearly carried them to a playoff spot. Uh, He played his heart out against the Trailblazers. There was just so many exciting moments from John Morant that it's impossible to say just one. And yeah, he had a great season. Shout out to John Morant. Well-deserving for the near-unanimous rookie of the year this season. Uh, Number four, we got Houston going fully small ball. Uh, Obviously, I just talked about why I uh, didn't like that move just as far as winning. But as far as excitement, this was uh, a really, really special thing to see. This completely unlocked Russell Westbrook, and he had one of the best months of his entire career capped off by some crazy games against the Celtics. Uh, That was the game where Jalen Brown hit the buzzer beater. Uh, after Jason Tatum intentionally missed a free throw, it went up in the air, and Jalen Brown got it. It went into overtime, and the Rockets won that one. As a Celtics fan, that one hurt, but just as far as a basketball fan, that was so exciting. Russell Westbrook had like an incredible putback dunk that game. James Harden uh, actually wasn't very good during uh, like the month initially where this happened, but Russell Westbrook was going off, and it was uh, really special to see Uh, them run this lineup where this wasn't even just small ball this was like micro balls Robert Covington is 6'8 and was their tallest player they were having James Harden do tip-offs like this was just something we never saw before and just seeing a team do something so radical uh, in the way like in the way that Houston did was really special to watch and was so fun to watch Uh, them shooting like 53s a game it was really incredible and really exciting Number five, uh, this is an obvious one for most NBA fans, and definitely for me, the Suns 8-0 bubble run. This was so, so exciting. There were so many great moments during this, like uh, Devin Booker hitting the buzzer beater against the Clippers. The, the Clippers had some great buzzer beaters hit against them, and then him just sitting on the ground. Uh, that was just such a such an epic uh, photo for sure and then the shot was crazy him basically channeling in his inner kobe as he was someone he looked up to he uh has he writes like the be legendary quote from kobe on his shoes all the time uh, it was that was a really special moment and overall just the excitement that the suns brought to the bubble was something that was really special the suns uh social media team uh they were one of the funniest ones as they were like talking about uh telling the blazers uh to lose and like they would tweet a team if the blazers lost them uh if the blazers uh beat them i meant to say like being uh, getting mad at them it was just so many uh fun things around the sun's a and o run there was players like cameron payne playing good basketball and he really stepped up for them javon carter was having some big moments uh cam johnson had some huge games obviously devin booker was doing his thing uh it was just so much excitement and everyone was rooting for the suns 
we were all heartbroken when they didn't make the playoffs, but this was a special run from them, and I hope they bring this into next season because it was really, really exciting to see, and this is a really fun team. Number six, we got Damian Lillard's hot streak in the bubble. This was so special to watch. He really carried this Trailblazers team to the playoffs with multiple 40, 50-point games. Him, uh, he really showed off his logo Lillard side during the bubble. The shots he was hitting was just ridiculous. Like, it's hard to even put into words how just special the performance he was hitting. Uh, the performances he he was having. And when he saw an injured Grizzlies team, he really took full advantage of that and just completely went off. He was so incredible. Uh, that just little streak in the bubble during those seeding games was one of the uh, best performances I've ever just seen from literally any player. He was incredible, and that was a really, really nice moment to watch. Number seven, this... In- uh, includes Dame's hot streak a little bit. We got Nets versus Trailblazers. This was the game to decide who was going to make the playoffs, the Suns or the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers ended up pulling out the win in this one, and this was another really, really exciting game to watch. It came down to the last moment when Karis LeVert uh, ended up missing the shot. Uh, what I vividly remember is CJ McCollum went off this game. He had like a near 40 point game i'm pretty sure he was hitting crazy step back threes it was a super high scoring game i uh, i think each team had like over 130 points just so much fun to watch and just with the stakes of this game uh with all of us rooting that the trailblazers would lose so the suns would make the playoffs but all of us wanting to see damian lillard continue to go off there was just so many good storylines and it was really fun to watch i absolutely loved Uh, this game and just what it meant for this season number eight we got the amazing all-star weekend the best all-star weekend we have seen in a very very long time there's just so many fun things that happened in this one i mean the skills challenge don't really care about that to be honest bam at a bio won that which i guess was cool to see but that isn't really something that interests me that much the uh, usa versus the world that game is basically just to see young players do cool dunks. Don't really care that um, that much about that one. But what really stood out was the amazing dunk contest, which really uh, put some life back into the dunk contest after we had multiple disappointing years in a row where it just didn't seem like there was that much excitement about it. We saw Aaron Gordon and Derek Jones Jr. just go back and forth and pull off some of the most insane dunks we've ever seen like it was so incredible some of the stuff we were doing uh we saw aaron gordon dunk over taco fall and then him still not winning but it was that was really really fun to watch there was so many just legendary moments during that there was d wade uh giving aaron gordon the nine which there's been so many memes about that like this dunk contest had everything you want it had excitement it had uh some funny moments it had some of the best dunks we've ever seen and it had some creativeness which was really the thing that was lacking in these past couple dunk contests but we saw that and it was so much fun to watch number nine we got another luca moment what am i supposed to do luca is my favorite player uh this one was his amazing bubble game versus the milwaukee bucks 
where they ended up pulling out the win. Kristaps Porzingis also went off in this one. Uh, just overall, this game was so exciting. Uh, I remember I was in a hotel. I was on a vacation with my family, and I was watching this game in the hotel going crazy. Luka had 36 points, 14 rebounds, and 19 assists in this one. Uh, everyone remembers that incredible in-between uh, the legs pass he had in the pick-and-roll uh, to Maxi Kleber, where Maxi Kleber got the and one dunk. That was incredible. And he just had so many ridiculous passes. He had uh, that really good step back mid range against Wesley Matthews, where he just completely cooked him. He just had so many special moments during that game. He had a really nice uh, fake. Uh, like the fake that Rondo has done multiple times and that he's been famous for, where he fakes the behind-the-back pass and then goes up for the layup. Uh, and then just them upsetting the Bucks. Chris Stapp's going off in this one. I'm pretty sure he had 36 points too. Uh, they just both went crazy this game, and it was another really special moment and one of the best sophomore seasons of all time from Luka Doncic. I'm so excited to see that man back on the court because I really... I uh, miss watching him play basketball, and uh, it's just moments like these that makes it impossible, at least for me, to just not absolutely love Luka Doncic and what he brings to the game. Number 10, we got Zion Williamson's debut. This is an obvious one. Uh, there was so, so much hype built around this one. He was just one of the most hyped-up rookies that we've seen in a long, long time. He was on the LeBron break. Uh, Blake Griffin type of level just as far as hype and he showed up uh, this was the game against the Spurs where he hit four threes in the fourth quarter and he did end up getting taken out uh, but everyone was making fun of him uh, in the first couple quarters but he just went off I think he scored 17 straight points by himself like he was insane this game and it was so much fun to watch there was just a lot of special moments in Zion's very short season uh, that just added uh, to the league so much as he's a really fun player to watch. I really hope he can have his weight under control and he can stay healthy because Zion is just such an exciting player to watch. And we saw this with his debut and just overall uh, his like 16 uh, games that he played before the bubble. He was really exciting during those and just uh, was amazing. He averaged, like, 24 points. Like, I really don't think... Obviously, everybody knows how good Zion Williamson is, but I don't think people really appreciate the full grasp of how dominant he was as a rookie and how good he can be in the future. Because as long as the health is under control, he's going to be one of the best players in the league for a long, long time, just with his physical dominance. And he really hasn't even figured out the mental aspect of the game yet, which is what makes it so impressive uh, what he's been able to do so far. Next, we got uh, Heat versus 76ers. This was actually a regular season game, but this one was so, so exciting. This was a game that ended up uh, going to overtime. And Tyler Hero, this was the most memorable part for me, was Tyler Hero hitting the huge shot that he did. They ended up doubling Joel Embiid at the end of the game as the 76ers had the lead. He turned over the ball. Jimmy Butler got the steal. He passed it to Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero looked like he was going to go in, and then he pulled it out, took the three, hit it 
ice in his veins, an incredible shot from Tyler Hero, uh, my favorite rookie, one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Jimmy Butler going off against his old team with ne- with nearly a 25-point triple-double. Uh, we saw Joel Embiid uh, and Ben Simmons on the court, which is always fun to watch when they're there. Uh, ben Simmons nearly had a triple-double. Uh, Joel Embiid had a great double-double. This game just brought everything you, you would want. It had the drama uh, with, at this point, them being two of the better teams in the league, and then Jimmy Butler facing his old team, and then him getting the win, getting his revenge. This one uh, probably wouldn't make many people's lists, but it definitely made my list, as this one was really, really fun to watch. And I just love Tyler Hero, and I really love the energy that this Heat team brought the entire year. They were really special. Uh, Number 12, we got the Lakers versus Clippers games. Uh, Even though we didn't get to see this in the Western Conference Finals, which was so, so disappointing, uh, everyone was just looking forward to this for so long, and then the Clippers had to have one of the biggest choke jobs in NBA history. Uh, But during the regular season, there were some really fun games uh obviously we had opening day where the clippers ended up winning uh which was really fun to watch we saw uh just so many storylines during these games uh when lebron got blocked by patrick beverly in the christmas day game which uh the clippers ended up winning that one was really exciting i absolutely loved that game uh we saw when the lakers had that huge weekend where they beat both uh the clippers and the bucks and everyone was really worried about the Lakers at that point because they were looking very scary uh, during that. But yeah, these games brought so much excitement and because uh, everyone was looking forward to these. There was just so many storylines around them. And we, uh, this was a season a series that did end up getting split. And we saw close games in basically every single one. So exciting to watch. Uh, that first game was really memorable as it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I remember it was jazz versus Pelicans first. And this was the second game that happened this season. It was, uh, eighties first game with, uh, the Lakers. We saw LeBron, uh, he was actually pretty disappointing during this game and people were criticizing him a ton. I remember that Danny green went off the, uh, off this game for 28 points i remember him having a streak where he hit like seven threes in a row or something ridiculous like that Kawhi had a big 30 point game uh that game was so exciting the christmas day one this one was a classic game Kawhi 35 points he went off in this one uh lebron and ad both had decent games but lebron did end up getting blocked at the end kyle kuzma had a huge game in this with 25 uh, there's just so much you got to love about all these games. Uh, and yeah, it was a really, really, uh, fun treat to watch. And I hope the Clippers can live up to the expectations, uh, that we had for them last year in the 2021 season. Cause I think a Lakers versus Clippers series where the Clippers actually perform would be really fun. Number 13, we got, uh, Denver's two three one comebacks and a bit of a mix of uh, Jamal Murray's special run too. So obviously, uh, a three one comeback is so exciting to watch. And we saw 
the first time in NBA history where a team had two 3-1 comebacks. That Utah Jazz versus Denver Nuggets series was one of the greatest playoff series I've ever watched. The battle between Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell was so, so special to watch as both of them had multiple over 40 and 50 point games and they were just going back and forth and back and forth. They were hitting crazy shots. Jamal uh, Murray hit so many crazy step back threes. Donovan Mitchell was just doing everything uh, for his team. And uh, Jokic had a really good series during that one. That one was just so exciting to watch. Uh, Yeah, like you cannot not love that series. Uh, As a Utah Jazz fan, that one probably hurt a lot, especially with Mike Conley's shot being so close uh, at the end to hitting. But yeah, that one was great to watch. And then the most shocking series of the whole playoffs, for me at least, uh, some people would say Heat versus Bucks, but I actually had the Heat winning that one. Uh, but the Denver Nuggets 3-1 comeback versus Clippers was another insane one. That game seven, I always just felt like, oh, the Clippers have to win this one. There's no way they don't make the conference finals to face the Lakers. And they ended up uh, choking it. Denver pulled it out. Jamal Murray had a crazy game uh, seven scored over 40 points he was just absolutely incredible we really saw him unlocked as a playmaker uh Jokic had a completely dominant series with nobody on the other uh on the Clippers team even being close to be able to guard him he was just throwing dimes he was killing them in the post and yeah Jamal Murray uh, run was really special he's definitely risen up a ton in my point guard rankings and I'm excited to see if he can keep it up next year uh, but for now, I just got to appreciate uh, what he did this year. Number 14, as a Celtics fan, had to put this one down. One of the most intense games of the whole playoffs. We got Raptors versus Celtics game seven. My Celtics ended up pulling it out to make it to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, which we obviously lost in. But this one was a really, really special uh, game. And just a series as a whole, as the Celtics could have gone up 3-0, but then OG Ananobi hit that insane buzzer beater 3 uh, there was just so many exciting things that happened during this one. And this was a series that before the playoffs, as a Celtics fan, I was terrified about. I expected it to be a game seven. Uh, and that's what happened in this one. It was just so, so exciting to see, man. Jason Tatum had a really good game in this one. Marcus Smart had the chase down block, which is one of my favorite moments I've seen in a long time. And it just had everything you want. It had storylines. It's the highest pressure game it can be, and it was just so intense and close throughout. Uh, The Celtics did end up pulling away pretty uh, well at the end, but throughout almost the entire game, it was just neck and neck. They were going back and forth. It was just a tennis match, and it was a really special one to see. Number 15, uh, I got the Heat's magical bubble run. Obviously had to put this on here, as this one was just so exciting to see. We saw them upset the Bucks again. I had the Heat winning in games, uh, winning in seven games that series, but them beating the Bucks in five and just completely straight up dominating them was uh, such an unexpected thing to see. Uh, we saw them beat the Celtics pretty handedly after the Celtics uh, were playing very good. We saw Jimmy Butler have massive games. Tyler Hero had the 37-point game against the Celtics, which as a Celtics fan hurt a ton, but 
was just overall so exciting to watch. He hit so many crazy shots. He had that super deep three over Marcus Smart. Uh, and then, obviously, Jimmy Butler's finals games were some of the best games I've ever seen as he put a 40-point uh, a and 30-point crazy triple-double, uh, which helped the Heat win the two games that they did end up winning. And they just really fought so, so hard. Obviously, it's disappointing the way they went out, losing by so much in Game 6, even though the final score, they only lost by, like, 13 uh, they were down so much in that game, and they just had no chance. Uh, but it was a, a really special run for them. We saw a lot of young guys do great things. We saw Bam at a bio dominate the Celtics. And even though we all knew Bam was very, very good, that was a bit of a breakout series for him, as he definitely probably rose in most people's rankings. And, yeah, the Heat just had a really special run, and they're a really fun team to watch with the culture they have. And you can just tell all those guys love playing with each other, and they're really exciting to watch. Number 16, this one's a bit of a more lighthearted one. We got uh, the Cat versus Joel fight. This was just a super, super funny moment as they were kind of like going back and forth that whole game. And then uh, when everyone else was going up the court, like the camera stopped and turned around, and you just see. Cat uh, and Joel fighting on the other side. You saw Ben Simmons have him in a choke cold, and then like Carl Anthony Towns like uh, slamming the ground, looking like he was uh, tapping out. There were so many funny memes from it. It was just one of the funniest moments of the entire season, and yeah, that was really funny to see, especially because they're two of the best big men in the whole league. Uh, that was just cool to see. Uh, number seventeen, we got the Giannis versus Harden beef. This one was really, really funny as uh, Giannis had uh, thrown shade at Harden uh, sometimes before, and especially with the uh, battle between Giannis and Harden for MVP the previous season. We saw in the All-Star game when LeBron and Giannis were picking their teams, Giannis was telling, uh, saying someone, saying he needed someone that actually passes the ball. So he got Kemba Walker. And then Harden was saying the, I wish I could be uh, seven feet and just run and dunk. That takes no skill. Uh, We saw Giannis hit James Harden in the head with the ball. There was just so many funny things that have happened between uh, Giannis and Harden these past couple of years. And it really uh, was like the highest peak when Giannis was dissing him. And then James Harden was dissing him back. It was really funny to see and really exciting. Uh, number 18, we got Chris Paul snitching. Uh, this, another one that created so many funny memes. We have the picture where like he's uh, replaced 6ix9ine in a Photoshop. That was so, so funny. Uh, when Jordan Bell had his jersey untucked and then Chris Paul, you could just hear him yelling, yo, that's a delay of game. So they got the technical free throw. Uh, which allowed them to win, uh, to push the game to overtime. As uh, Stephen Adams had that insane pass to Dennis Schroeder, and uh, Dennis Schroeder ended up finishing it, and then it went to overtime, and the Thunder won. So that was just uh, really, really cool to see. The whole Chris Paul snitching thing was funny, and then them actually winning the game was just uh, really cool to see. And the whole like delay of game thing is something that's so rare and that we haven't seen in a long, long time. So, yeah, that was just super funny, and it was a really fun game to watch, too. 
Number 19, we got Rockets versus Thunder Game 7. Had to put this one here. One of the best games of the entire season. Uh, that Game 7 was just so insane, man. Uh, Lou Dort, after having one of the worst offensive series I've seen in so long, with him just bricking everything, that whole series completely went off this game, scoring over 30. He was insane this game. And Lou Dort is a really uh, fun player. He's one of the most aggressive defensive players in the whole league, and he's just a really, really good defender. And then with him clicking on offense, that was crazy to see. That was so much fun. Uh, and then James Harden got the block on Lou Dort to end the game as... Uh, the Thunder kind of collapsed and just ran terrible plays, but that was so exciting. Chris Paul had a great game in that one. James Harden was terrible that game, but luckily had that block, which kind of saved him. As if he lost that game seven with him performing as bad as he did and Russell Westbrook performing uh, pretty good that game, that would have been a ginormous stain on James Harden's legacy. But they did end up winning it, and it was just so, so exciting because that series was very anticipated. Uh, with just all the storylines, there are obvious storylines with Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul being traded for each other. Uh, it was just a really fun series and a really fun game. Number 20, we definitely have a sadder one, uh, but it's just all uh, the death of Kobe Bryant and everything that happened around it uh, with uh, people going to the Staples Center, Michael Jordan's speech. Uh, there were so many good speeches that came out of that. LeBron's speech. Uh, all the people honoring Kobe with uh, them doing the 24-second and 8-second uh, eight violation with uh, uh, Joel Embiid changing his number to 24 for a game and then scoring 24 with Trey Young switching his number to 8 for a game. Like, Even though it was very, very sad as Kobe is such an influential character in so many people's lives, including my own, uh, it was cool to just see what it meant to all these NBA players and just really how hurt they were by it and how much they wanted to honor his legacy with the Lakers wearing the Bomba jerseys uh, throughout the playoffs uh, and them doing so much for him. It was a very sad but also just very heartwarming uh, moment to see all the NBA players care uh, for the Bryant family and everybody just honoring Kobe. That was exciting. That was fun to see. Uh, even though definitely a heartbreaking event that happened. Uh, prayers to everyone who was affected by that, because that, that still hurts to this day. There, uh, That's one of the things that I still think about almost every day, is just the death of Kobe Bryant, because he seemed like one of those uh, basically like invincible characters in society. To, so to see him gone was just such a shocking thing. And I remember that day so vividly, and that, that day really hurt a lot. Number 21, moving on from that very, very sad moment, we got Zach Levine, uh, comeback versus the Hornets, where he hit 13 threes in this one. Uh, this was just such a crazy game. Oh my God, this was so exciting to see. Zach Levine had one of the best games of his whole career, and the Bulls pulled off a crazy comeback where they were down by like eight late, and then the Hornets just completely choked away this game. Uh, and everyone remembers that steal uh, that the Bulls got, and then Zach Levine just dribbles straight out to the three-point line, fading away, hits a crazy three, and he's celebrating with his team. Uh, they ended up winning that one, and that one, man, that was so exciting to watch. Even though it's like a game that you really wouldn't expect to be exciting at all, because it's Hornets versus Bulls. Like, 
what do you expect but that was oh my god that was just such a crazy game it was really really exciting to see uh number 22 we got denver's huge lineup this was a very memorable moment as during the scrimmages when jamal murray was injured they ended up putting Jokic at point guard uh they had bull bull running small forward this was just so fun to see and obviously it's not something that's uh gonna happen uh in an actual game just with it being a scrimmage it was really cool to see them just be super experimental and try something completely radical uh and uh other than just like the huge lineup Another really fun thing was Bull Bull uh, when he was just going crazy. That was so much fun to watch. Everyone was rooting for Bull Bull because how can you not love Bull Bull? He's a 7'3 player who can handle the ball, who can shoot threes, uh, whose dad was was in the NBA and was a very likable guy too, uh, and who was a second-round pick just, just due to injuries. As a talent, he would have been uh, – easily a lottery pick some people even before the draft had him going like top 10 uh so that was really exciting to see number 23 we got tj warren's uh bubble run where he was averaging like 35 points a game he had the game against the 76ers where he hit uh just so many insane threes he hit a crazy one to win the game i'm pretty uh he had 50 in that one i'm pretty sure at least uh, that was just one of the most unexpected things in a while, as everybody knows TJ Warren is a solid player, but uh, that's basically as far as it went. He's just a nice 18-point-per-game scorer who's improved a ton as a three-point shooter, but is kind of one-dimensional as basically all he does is score. He doesn't add really anything on the defensive end or as a playmaker or as a rebounder, and it's not like he really was doing anything other than scoring in this but we just saw his scoring tuned up to a whole nother level. And he was definitely stopped in the playoffs uh, against the Heat. But that eight-game run he had uh, during the seeding games was magical and was so exciting to watch. I Because it was just the most unexpected thing ever. Like TJ Warren being uh, the bubble MVP, basically, or at least one of them, was just ridiculous and was so exciting to see. Number 24, we got the Last Dance documentary. Uh, this was during a super dead uh, time in the season when we really didn't know when it was coming back. Uh, and we just needed the Last Dance so much. And it was so exciting to watch, uh, especially as a younger person, uh, seeing a lot of things that I really just didn't know about. Uh, I got informed on so many different things, and just seeing Michael Jordan, who I consider the greatest player of all time, uh, but if you don't consider him that, if you consider LeBron that, he is definitely number two. Uh, just seeing uh, the magic around him and what he brought to the league, uh, the retirement, him playing baseball, uh, there was just so many exciting things that came out of this. It was really fun to watch. I, I was glued to my TV every single time this came on. Uh, I would I, every single week. I would watch the two episodes, and I just had a blast watching it. We had Kobe coming on, which was super sad, uh, but also cool to see him just talk about MJ. Uh, we just saw so many exciting things. We saw a ton of memes from that, like uh, him laughing uh, after Gary Payton was talking about. Uh, playing defense on him. There was uh, so many amazing moments that came from the last dance and everything 
uh, around it. It was just an incredible documentary. I can't wait to see uh, if they come out with something like that for Kobe, uh, if they come out with something like that for LeBron in the future, because I wanted to see more and more documentaries and I think ESPN did an incredible job with this one. It was so well put together, so well narrated, and I just loved it. I can't wait to see if there's more coming in the future. And then number 25, it's when we learn, uh, learned the season was coming back, and then uh, when it actually came back, when everybody was getting into the bubble, talking about the food, uh vlogging the experience we saw guys like javel mcgee matisse thibel do really really uh, cool vlogs there and just overall this whole bubble experience was so exciting and uh, i was very pessimistic but also so excited when the nba was coming back because it's my favorite sport i love the nba so much and i was really really missing it in the time it was gone so yeah just seeing it back was so exciting and all the things uh, around it were really, really fun. Uh, and just thank you, Adam Silver, so much for being the great uh, owner that you are and uh, letting us have this beautiful league, letting me uh, have a great podcast where I talk about the NBA and letting me remember all these amazing moments from the 2020 season when I was uh, just like doing my research and then just like remembering all these moments I was having so much fun writing this list, and yeah. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to talk about my NFL power rankings. Okay, I'm back, everyone, to talk about some NFL team power rankings. Now, I'm just going to quickly go through uh, 32 to 30, as uh, they stayed the same for me. If you want to watch back on the Clips channel, I do have a video uploaded uh of my NFL team power rankings, or you can listen to the whole podcast where I talked about that. But at 32, we got the Jets. They just cut Le'Veon Bell, so that just makes them even worse. This team is just an atrocity. They're terrible. Uh, number 31, got the Giants. They did stay in the game with the Cowboys, and they did look good. But other than that, they've looked pretty bad this season, and uh, they're just not very good at all, especially with Saquon being injured, with Danny Daniel Jones. Uh, not really being a good quarterback yet. I think he still has potential, but he's just not ready yet. And yeah, they're just not a well-rounded team at all. 30, football team. Uh, they do have new quarterbacks playing. Kyle Allen played a bit. He looked fine. And then Alex Smith actually did look pretty decent uh, when he came back. But yeah, this team is a team that just isn't good either. Uh, their offense is really, really bad. The running game isn't much. Uh, other than Terry McLaurin, they don't really have anything at receiver. The offensive line isn't good. Quarterback play isn't good. And basically the only good part of their team is their D-line, which does boost them up a bit as their D-line is pretty good. Uh, number 29, we got the Falcons. They've looked really bad so far this season. Dropped down to 0-5. Uh, I have them going down 3 from where I previously ranked them. And... Uh, the defense is one of the worst in the entire NFL. That secondary is continuously getting cooked over and over again. Their secondary has looked atrocious. Uh, the offense hasn't even been super explosive, which is what they used to rely on, is that their defense would be good enough, and then it would be their offense that carry them. So with their offense not being as good as it used to be, it's a really, really big problem uh, for the falcons 
with uh, Julio Jones uh, having to deal with some injuries this year uh, and Matt Ryan just not looking very good. This team is uh, a mess right now, and I think big moves need to come for this team. Number 28, we got the Jaguars down four from when I previously ranked them. Uh, yeah, this team, uh, even though I like some of the guys on their team, I really like DJ Chark. I like D.D. Westbrook. Uh, I like Gardner Minshew, even though I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. Uh, this team just isn't very good yet. They're not a talented team. Uh, but this team, even though they haven't really won games that well, the good thing about them is that they uh, will fight in games, and I can rely on them to uh, at least make games somewhat entertaining and somewhat close as they've stayed in most of their games. Their offense has looked decent. Uh, James Robinson has been really good for them at, at running back, even though he was an undrafted player. He's been really impressive so far this season. And, I mean, overall, they're just not a very good team yet. But I think if they have a good draft, uh, they have a good free, free agency, and they just continue to make uh, moves that improve their team, get their team some uh, nice young players, I think this Jaguars team can be good in the future. They have a lot of picks going into the future as they traded a lot of their older guys. So I, I do think this Jaguars team can be good at some point, but the, that some point is definitely not now. Number 27, we have the Texans down uh, six from last ranking. Uh, this team has been super disappointing so far. Uh, Deshaun Watson has been uh, pretty decent. And their receiving core is solid, but they really don't have that number one guy. They just have a lot of really uh, solid players. So, I mean, uh, the passing game has been pretty good, but the running game really hasn't been anything. David Johnson hasn't been good this year. The offensive line continues to be poor. Uh, the, the defense is pretty bad so far. Uh, the defense has been just terrible that secondary is getting torn apart uh jj watt is still one of the best players in the nfl but it's not like he can just be a one-man show on defense and they have a lot of uh good players but just overall they really just don't have a well-rounded team at all and they're really bad this year and they're in a really bad situation number 26 we got the broncos they haven't been good this year uh, and that's just mainly due to injuries. They're missing Von Miller. Uh, they're mi they missed Drew Locke for a while, who should be coming back, hopefully in this Patriots game, which is set to still happen right now, even though the Patriots had a positive COVID-19 test. So hopefully that still happens. And I think they're definitely going to be better with Drew Locke back. I really like Drew Locke. Drew Locke is one of my favorite uh, quarterbacks in the NFL, actually, especially one of my favorite younger guys. And I'm just a big fan of him. I really believe in him. And I think when this team gets healthy, they can be a good team next year. But this year, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, which is why I have them at 26. Number 25, got the Vikings, another team that's been super disappointing. I definitely overlooked uh, a lot of the issues uh, that the Vikings would face into this year. I really didn't understand the weight of how much worse their defense got uh, with guys like Xavier Rhodes falling off a ton and then uh, them trading him, uh, this defense just really isn't the same. And now that Dalvin Cook uh, is injured, uh, this is going to be really, really bad for them as they've relied on him a ton. And he's been good. He's been great this season. Uh, but Kirk Cousins has been pretty disappointing. And even though they're up three, they're still 25. Uh, they fought in the game with the Seahawks, which was a good sign, and they did end up picking up a win. Uh, but overall, I mean, this uh, team just isn't good. 
uh, and they've been so, so disappointing, even though they're very much like the Texans. They have talent on their roster, but it, uh, it's just not, not all put together, and both of those secondaries are really bad. Number uh, 24, we got the Bengals, who are up three. Uh, this is a team who definitely isn't great. They got destroyed by the uh, Ravens, which I completely expected. Uh, but, I mean, they've looked decent so far. I really, really like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has been so impressive. Uh, one of the better rookie quarterbacks I've seen in a long time. And uh, the way he leads this offense is truly admirable, especially with how poor this offensive line is. Uh with AJ Green really just falling off, and he uh, has continually dealt with injuries, and that's still been a thing this year. So that's definitely disappointing to see. Uh, but their running game is definitely coming alive a little bit. Their running game has looked way better uh, these past couple weeks as Joe Mixon went off for a huge gain, and hopefully he can continue to do that because. Honestly, I just want to see Joe Burrow succeed. He's impossible for me not to root for. I love watching uh, him play, and yeah, they're not a good team yet, but I like their potential a lot just because they really do have their franchise guy that I, they can rely on. Number 23, we got the Lions down four from where I previously ranked them. Uh, this has been just uh, kind of what I expected a uh, year for the Lions, to be honest. I didn't have high expectations at all. I do think they have talent on their team. Uh, with just how talented this league is, there's going to be uh, some good players on almost every single team, except for like the Jets and the Giants and football team. Uh, other than that, basically everyone has talent. And I mean, uh, this Lions team has talent on their roster. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, is a very talented quarterback who has been super disappointing so far this year. Uh, they have talented receivers in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Uh, I like TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I like some of their running backs. I think they have three pretty decent running backs. Uh, but overall, this team just isn't very good, but it's not like I expected them to be good. At best, I saw them being like a 6-10 and 10 team, which, again, just isn't good. Maybe 7-9 and nine at their absolute peak. But th at this point, it looks like they're going to be like 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. Hopefully they can have a good draft. Maybe at some point it's uh, time to replace Matthew Stafford soon. Maybe they'll look to do that in this draft, or maybe they'll uh, look in other directions, as that defense could definitely have help. The linebacking core is very, very poor. Uh, their secondary can still use some help, even though they, they drafted a cornerback high in this draft. Uh, but yeah, the Lions just are kind of what I expected uh, from them. Number 22, we got the Eagles, plus 3. Uh, they did stay in the game, uh, at least for most of the time, against a very good Steelers team. But this team uh, has just been disappointing so far this year. They've dealt with injuries a lot yet again. This team just uh, can't seem to stay healthy at all. And Carson Wentz has been so disappointing so far this year. I had him as one of the better quarterbacks in the league, uh, an elite quarterback, but he's been very, very lackluster this year. Uh, the interceptions have been a big issue. He's made just so many mental mistakes, and I know his receivers have been injured. Uh, he just doesn't have the best receivers, uh, even when they're healthy. But what he's been doing is simply unacceptable for a guy at the talent level he is. Uh, and that defense uh, is fine. They're just a fine team. They could still make the playoffs in an atrocious division. But even if they do make the playoffs, that doesn't mean that they're a good team because this team is 
uh, below average for sure, and that's why I have them ranked 22. And, yeah, they've been very disappointing so far this season. Number 21, got the 49ers. Uh, down six from where I had them previously ranked. Had an absolutely embarrassing loss uh, to the Dolphins where Jimmy G played atrocious. He just played one of the worst games, probably the worst game of his entire career. He even got benched in that one. And uh, they're definitely a team that has been hit with the injury bug the hardest. Uh, and that's very, very tough for them as they made the Super Bowl last year and it looks like they're uh, taking a pretty uh, steep decline. Uh, but it should be expected with the injuries that they're dealing with, uh, especially on the defensive line, which is something that they relied on a ton last year. It's the biggest reason why they were so good. Uh, and yeah, they're just not the same this year. They don't have that same spark. And hopefully uh, they can just get healthy and uh, they can be good next year. Because at this point, I'm not at all even confident in them making the playoffs, especially with the way the Seahawks are playing, with the way the Rams are playing. I think the Cardinals are probably end up going to end up being better too. So they could go from being a Super Bowl team to last in their division, which is obviously tough. But I expect them to have a bounce back season next year as long as they can stay healthy because those injuries, man, are so huge. Losing a guy like Nick Bosa is just devastating. Number 20, I have the Chargers. They're in the same spot I had them uh, in my last ranking. And I've actually been pretty impressed by the Chargers so far. They uh, always just stay in the game. There hasn't been a game where they've lost by more than a touchdown, I think. Uh, they stayed in the Chiefs game. They stayed in the uh, game against the Saints. They stayed in the one against the Panthers. Uh, they're just a team that always has that fight to them. And Justin Herbert has been so impressive. He's been one of my favorite players to watch in the whole league so far. I just love watching uh, this young quarterback play football. Uh, I was very, very worried about him coming into this NFL draft. He was one of the players I was the most worried about uh, just with how high he got drafted. I saw a lot of issues in college that I felt like he didn't fix. But now with him having some great offensive coaching around him him having some really nice receivers and mike williams and keenan allen who've made some incredible catches uh his talent which i always knew was high has been fully unlocked uh against the saints he was absolutely incredible threw some beautiful balls and then his receivers went up there and made some good catches uh they are a team that's dealt with injuries too with derwin james being gone for the year that's a huge hit to that defense but I really like watching the Chargers. This offense is super high-powered, and they're not going to be a great team yet. I don't see them making the playoffs or anything like that. Uh, but if they are like 6-10, and 7-9, and nine, and Justin Herbert has a really good season, which he looks like he could be uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, uh, it's going to be tough because Joe Burrow is really good as well. Uh, but so far, I'd have him in the lead just with the way uh, this team is fighting. They're obviously 1-4, but... Like I said, they fight in every single game. They never let a game get too far away, and they did have a bit of a collapse against the Saints when uh, they missed that field goal. That was really bad, and their defense just kind of got torched. That defense is definitely an issue, but with how high-powered this offense is, with how good of football Justin Herbert is playing, I just like watching this team, and I think they're a solid team. Number 19, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, with Dak Prescott going down with injury, uh, that's definitely going to hurt, but I think uh, they do have a solid, solid quarterback uh, in there now that he is injured in Andy Dalton. Even though he's not as good as Dak Prescott, he's a nice uh, 
even though he's a replacement level quarterback, I think he's uh, a backup from now on in his career. He is a player who can come in and play some good football. We saw that in the Giants game where he threw some beautiful balls. He had a really nice ball uh, to Michael Gallup. He was 9 for 11 that game. He was just very, very solid. So I think they can still be decent. And obviously, the biggest issue is the defense. Uh, It's been talked about a lot. The defense is just atrocious. The secondary constantly gets burnt. Uh, They're bad against the run. Demarcus Lawrence is having a really rough season, as he really just doesn't have any help on that defensive line, so they can put a lot of focus on him. And yeah, they're... Uh, even their linebacking core, which is pretty talented, has dealt with some injuries and just has been pretty disappointing. And overall, this Cowboys team, uh, even though the offense is going to be electric with how good that receiving core is, uh, with them having Ezekiel Elliott and them still having decent enough quarterback play in Andy Dolan, that defense is a big issue. And even though they still have a chance to make the playoffs, I wouldn't bet on it. And this team just isn't great. Uh, number 18, we do have the Dolphins, who are up five uh, from where they were previously ranked. They had a great game against the 49ers. Ryan Fitzpatrick looks phenomenal. The defense looks very good. And I just, I just really like the whole uh, dynamic and the whole energy of this uh, Dolphins team. I really like Brian Flores as a coach. He's probably one of my favorite coaches in the league. Uh, and he uh, really gained a ton of respect from me last year where they had a pretty good uh, end-of-the-season run with one of the least talented teams I had seen in a long while. Uh, they have a pick from uh, the Texans. They have their first and second-round pick. So this team could get even better, and they're already a solid team. They're a team that uh, I don't think is going to be great yet, but they're going to be a team that fights in every single game, and you can never count out. And, yeah, I just like the whole dynamic. I like a lot of the players on this team. I really like Mike Gesicki. Uh, I like Preston Williams. I like Devontae Parker. I like some of the pieces on their defense. Just overall, uh, a solid team that has a lot of room to get better and has a ton of potential. Tua is just sitting there, and I think he's going to be great when he comes in, uh, especially with the coaching he has, with him having solid weapons. Uh, I just like this Dolphins team a lot. They're very solid. Number 17, got the Cardinals. Uh, These past couple weeks, they've been very disappointing. They did end up uh, blowing out the Jets as they should with the Jets being as bad as they are, but that loss to the Panthers was really bad and really alarming for sure. Uh, I was the guy who was super high on the Cardinals going into the season after the first two weeks. I uh, was uh, rejoicing that my prediction of them being a sleeper team and them potentially being a playoff team had paid off, and they still could potentially be a playoff team, but in the super hard division that they're in, uh, they're going to have to play some uh, better football, simply enough. Kyler Murray uh, has had some very, very bad throws and has had just some very weird mental mistakes that I wouldn't expect out of uh, such a good player like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is so, so talented. His arm talent is one of the best in the whole league. And yeah, it's just been a little weird and a little disappointing uh, to see where he's been at so far. But hopefully he can become better. Uh Obviously, him having DeAndre Hopkins is a huge weapon for him. And again, I do like this Cardinals team. I got to see them be be better, though. Uh, I got to see their draft picks be better. Uh, Isaiah Simmons has been so disappointing so far this season, even though I think he's really talented. Uh, he just seems a little bit lost out there. And yeah, I have high hopes for the Cardinals, but they got to play better football. Number 16, we got one of my most surprising teams this year, the Panthers. 
The Panthers, these past three games, even though the competition hasn't been amazing or anything, they've looked really, really good these past three games. Their offense is starting to click, even with them missing uh, Christian McCaffrey, who is obviously one of the best running backs in the league and is such a huge part of their offense. Uh, they've been able to be very solid on offense. Teddy Bridgewater, even though he's nothing special as a quarterback, is just uh a pretty average quarterback, and he can definitely win you football games as long as the guys around him are playing good. Robbie Anderson has been a great pickup for him, uh, for them so far, as even though he's not overall a great receiver, he is a huge deep threat with a lot of speed who's had uh, multiple big catches and has multiple big games for them. I think the coaching there is phenomenal. Uh, I think the defense has outperformed my expectations, and I just like to see what I've seen so far from the Panthers. They've definitely outperformed my expectations a ton, and I got to give all the credit in the world to them. Uh, number 15, we got the Colts. Uh, they definitely didn't look great in that game versus the Browns, and their biggest issue has been the quarterback play. Phillip Rivers has made a lot of mistakes that we saw last year and that we've seen uh, kind of just throughout his career. Uh, he's a player who, even though he's talented, he's very good. Uh, he has historically always just had an issue with interceptions, making mental mistakes, and he had uh, some really, really bad interceptions in the past couple weeks. Uh, and I do like this Colts team. I think they're a, a solid 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven type team. Uh, I like the talent around uh, Phillip Rivers, even though they are dealing with some injuries with Marlon Mack being out. The running game has still been good. I like T.Y. Hill in a ton. I like their tight ends, and the defense is solid. I think they're well coached, but Phillip Rivers simply has got to be better, got to uh, start making less mental mistakes. Number 14, I do have the Saints. Uh, they had an impressive comeback uh, against the Chargers for sure. Got to give that to them. I have them up uh, two from where they previously were, and... Uh, they definitely aren't the same as last year. Uh, Drew Brees has definitely been disappointing. But this team outside of Drew Brees, uh, the way they built around him is so incredible. They have a very, very good team. And it's sad to say, as Drew Brees is one of my favorite players I've ever seen play football, uh, but he is the thing that's holding them back right now. And obviously Michael uh, Thomas being injured and then being suspended with him getting in a fight with uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson definitely hurts them. And he's one of the best receivers in the NFL and is a great security blanket for Drew Brees, especially with uh, the lack of arm talent that he has this year, man. Uh, uh, his arm has just fallen off completely. He really just can't throw the ball deep like he used to be able to. Uh, they definitely need Michael Thomas to come back, but Alvin Kamara is having an incredible season so far, has uh, arguably uh, been the offensive player of the year so far. He's just been killing it in the running game, in the passing game. He's been absolutely incredible. Uh, the defense is pretty decent. Sean Payton is a great coach, but Drew Brees simply has to be better, and Michael Thomas coming back definitely will help that. Uh, number 13, have the Raiders. They had an incredibly impressive win uh, against the Chiefs. They just looked so, so great that game. This offense is super high-powered. Uh, Derek Carr has had a very good season so far. Uh, I've been a big doubter of Derek Carr, especially after last season. Last season, he just wasn't very good. But Darren Waller's had a huge season to, so far. He's just a crazy threat for them to have. Uh, Henry Ruggs, even though he doesn't actually play that much and he doesn't get many targets. When he's there, uh, he can really take the top off the defense with that uh, special generational speed that he has. 
and uh, he had some big catches in the game against uh, the Chiefs. He only had two catches, but I'm uh, pretty sure he had over 100 yards. Uh, the running game is obviously very, very good with them having a really good starting and backup running back. Uh, I really like the dynamicness of their running game. The passing game has been so good. Uh, but the big thing that worries about uh, that worries me about this team is the defense. They did actually look pretty decent against the Chiefs in this most recent game. Uh, but other than that, they haven't looked great uh, in this season so far. And overall, they're just not super talented. Uh, the secondary doesn't have much pieces. The D-line is pretty decent. And then the linebacking core isn't great either. So the defense definitely needs improvement. But this offense is one of the better ones in the NFL. And it's been super impressive so far this season. Number 12, got the Buccaneers. Uh, definitely had a bad loss against the Bears with them uh, blowing a decent-sized lead. And then Tom Brady kind of just falling apart at the end with him forgetting the downs. And just making some pretty bad mistakes down the stretch. But I think this team is still solid. Uh, I just want to see Chris Godwin back, man, because uh, he hasn't played a single game yet this season. And I just want to see this offense fully unlocked. Uh, O.J. Howard going down for them is definitely a huge loss, as he's been really good in the passing game so far, with Gronk uh, falling off a ton as a pass catcher and him just being more of a blocker so far this season. So I just want to see uh, Chris Godwin back for sure. And... Uh, it's sad that O.J. Howard's out. I'm pretty sure it's a season-ending injury, but this offense can still be good. The running game has been really impressive, and uh, Tom Brady's just got to be a little bit better. The defense has been good so far this year, too, so I'm not super worried about the Buccaneers. Uh, they're playing a very, very tough team in the Packers, and I don't even need to see them win that game, but as long as they can be competitive and as long as Tom Brady can look decent, I'll still have belief in them, and I think they'll be a decent playoff team. Number 11, have the Patriots. Uh, they were a very, very weird team for me to rank as they were obviously hit huge uh, by COVID with Cam Newton being out. And they actually still stayed pretty competitive against the Chiefs, which was super impressive as the quarterback play in that game. As a Patriots fan, it hurt a lot to see. Uh, the quarterback play was just atrocious in that one. And honestly, I'm just uh, kind of waiting waiting to see with them uh, being uh, at their full power with Cam Newton being back. I'm just waiting to see that team, and then I'll have a more solid ranking of them. But for now, I have Matt 11 down three, but it's not really their fault. It's more just teams being super impressive so far this season. A lot of teams are outperforming my expectations by a lot and have been really good so far. Uh, but I think the Patriots are still one of the best teams in the NFL, and I think we're going to see that. Uh, hopefully, as long as they play this Broncos game, hopefully they can uh, just get some uh, momentum, get some rhythm, and blow them out in this one. And yeah, I do like uh, where the Patriots are, even though they're only 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Their losses are to the Seahawks and the Chiefs, and then one of them they didn't have Cam Newton, and they very, very uh, arguably could have been able to beat the Chiefs if they had Cam Newton that game. So not worried about Patriots at all. Number 10, have the Bears. Uh, that win against the Buccaneers was impressive. Uh, their offense definitely isn't great. Uh, Nick Foles uh, looked really good in his first week, but hasn't looked the greatest since. But I still think they're very solid. The defense is uh, very good. Allen Robinson is one of the best receivers in the NFL and has definitely been uh, a huge help to Nick Foles. And just overall, they're a very decent team. They're 4-1 and one so far. Uh, they're probably the worst team with that record. 
but I still think they're a decent team. I still think they're going to be a playoff-level team, especially with the fall-off that the Vikings have had. Uh, number nine, have the Rams. They've been one of the biggest shocks to me this season. Uh, them and the Panthers are definitely up there for me as I was not a believer in this Rams team at all as Jared Goff has been someone I've criticized a ton uh, before even I had this podcast when I'd just be like talking to my friends about football. Jared Goff is a guy I criticize a ton, but he's had a great season so far. He's been really, really impressive. Sean McVay is doing his thing with him. The running game has been good. He has good weapons. Cooper Cup and uh, Robert Wood makes one of the better receiver tandems in the league. The defense has been so impressive as Aaron Donald is just on a tearing spree this year. He's been incredible. I'm pretty sure he had like four sacks last game. He's just been ridiculous so far. Uh, And overall, this team is just very solid. Them putting uh, so much investments in this team, just as far as money with uh, Jared Goff being paid a big contract, with um, uh, Aaron Donald being paid a big contract, with Jalen Ramsey being paid a big contract, it's starting to pay off as they've performed really well. Number eight, have the Bills. Uh, Definitely had a super disappointing loss against the Titans uh, this week. They looked really bad in that one as Josh Allen looked like Josh Allen of the old where he had some terrible throws, had some really bad interceptions in that one, and they just got blown out in that game. But I definitely expect uh, them to bounce back. This team is just too talented not to. And I think that Josh Allen game was more of an anomaly and I don't think he's going to play MVP level like he was the first couple of weeks, but I think he'll still be uh, an upper echelon quarterback, and they'll look a lot better. This Bills team is great. There's uh, nothing to really worry about, even though that was uh, a pretty embarrassing loss to the Titans, uh, who were on uh, like a two-week bye. So you can definitely uh, credit that as the Titans didn't have the same exhaustion as the Bills. And uh, they had an advantage in that. So I'm not worried about the Bills at all. Number seven, got the Browns. They have been so, so impressive uh, so far this season. I think the Steelers game will be a big test. Uh, As long as they are healthy, as Baker Mayfield, Odell, and Jarvis Landry are all listed questionable, which is scary for sure. Uh, But if they can even just stay close to the Steelers and compete against them, then I think that's a great sign for them. And they've just looked really good so far this season. I think uh, the coaching has been phenomenal. Stefan Vazanski uh, uh, has been a great coach for Baker Mayfield so far. He's really limited a lot of the issues uh, that plagued him a ton last year. And uh, the running game has been the most impressive part for sure. Nick Chubb has had a great season so far. Kareem Hunt has been great. And with Nick Chubb being injured, them having Kareem Hunt as a backup it's just insane because he, he's one of the better running backs in the NFL, and he's really proved that so far this season. They even have like a good third-string running back. Uh, this running game is just elite. The defense has been very solid. They beat a good Colts team, and I've just been really impressed by the Browns. Number six, I got the Titans. Uh, they're up one. Oh, yeah, and the Browns went up ten. They have just been really good so far this season. Uh, but uh, number six got the Titans. They're up one from where they previously were. Uh, obviously, they had those weeks that they missed uh, just due to them having a ton of positive COVID tests. Uh, but now they're back. Ryan Tannehill is having a great season so far. He's looked like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, even though his numbers are never going to be crazy as they're not a super uh, pass-heavy team. 
Uh, he's really efficient with everything that he does, and uh, he's just su- a super, super smart player who can run the ball as well, uh, pretty mobile, and just doesn't make many mistakes. And then they rely on the running game. They rely on... Uh, Derrick Henry, who's one of the best running backs in the whole NFL, he's having another great season. Uh, and I just really like the direction that this Titans team is going in. They looked really good again in, uh, in that Bills game. Uh, their defense, which has been a bit prob- problematic so far this season, looked a lot better. And if their defense can start clicking, this Titans team is going to be terrifying because the offense is very good. And they're always going to be great at uh, controlling the clock just due to how much they run the ball. Number five, have the Ravens. Uh, They had a freebie game uh, against the the Bengals previously, and that was an easy win for them. Everyone expected them to win, and they blew them out for sure. Uh, But I'm still a little worried about this Ravens team just because I'm not super confident in Lamar Jackson, especially when it comes playoff time. Regular season, I'm not worried about him at all, but we just haven't seen um, many great things from them in – Uh, the playoffs, and especially if they have to face a team like the Chiefs, which they've just historically been super poor against. Uh, I'm not super confident in this Ravens team. And honestly, I think for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to take the next step, they truly need a number one receiver. They have really good tight end play, uh, and then they have decent receiver play with uh, Hollywood Brown. And the running game is good. The defense is really good. They're well coached. But I think they truly need a DeAndre Hopkins, a Julio Jones, a guy like that to unlock uh, Lamar Jackson and this offense. Number four, I have the Steelers. Uh, Their competition has been very weak so far. But uh, they've taken advantage of that for sure. Because you have to give credit for uh, good teams beating bad teams. Uh, because if they lost to those, we would have been super concerned. But Big Ben Roethlisberger has been incredible so far this season. Uh, after coming off that big injury, he's just been so, so good. Uh, Chase Claypool had an insane week with four touchdowns, over 100 uh, receiving yards. He was just crazy that game. Uh, and the defense has been a little bit problematic, as it hasn't been great so far. And like I said, the competition has been poor, but the Steelers look like They're really clicking, especially on the offensive end, and I've been super impressed by how uh, Ben Roethlisberger has played. Number three, you have the Chiefs. Uh, They have been a little problematic this season so far, uh, for sure. I'm still confident in them, still have them as my Super Bowl pick. I'm not uh, super worried about them, but uh, they barely beat the Chargers, and I think the Chargers should have won that game. I think uh, the decision to punt the ball was poor. Uh, they could have easily lost the Patriots game if the Patriots were at full health and had Cam Newton, and they obviously lost to the Raiders, uh, where the Raiders' offense outperformed them, and their defense was super poor in that one. So I'm a little bit worried about the Chiefs. Uh, their offensive line has been really disappointing so far. It's probably been the most disappointing part of their team, as Patrick Mahomes' protection has been uh, incredibly disappointing, but... I still think uh, they're going to be the best team in the NFL when the season ends. I still have them as my Super Bowl pick. But for now, I have them as the number three team. Number two, have the Seahawks. This offense is so electric. Everything's clicking for them. DK Metcalf is having a massive season. He's been one of the best receivers in the NFL. The running game is very solid with Chris Carson. Uh, He's super underrated. Very, very solid player. The coaching is great. Uh, Tyler Lockett... 
in my opinion, the most underrated player in the NFL. And then Russell Wilson is having an MVP campaign. They've started 5-0. and uh, That win against the Vikings was a little concerning as the first half they looked really bad. The offense only had like 65 yards, but they had a big second half and came back to win that game. And at the end of the day, all that matters is that they came out with the W. And even though the defense is problematic for sure, as uh, they've been one of the worst defense in the NFL so far, this offense is just too electric for most teams to handle. And number one, I have the Packers. They've just simply been playing the best football so far this year. They've played absolutely incredible. Uh, They relied more on their defense in the running game last year. And with their defense still clicking and still being as good as Uh, as good as it has been and then Aaron Jones still being one of the best running backs in the NFL and then Aaron Rodgers having a big year even though Devontae Adams has been injured this team is scary and I think they're going to be a huge threat uh, to any team that faces them Uh, I think a game with them and the Seahawks would be incredible I think a Super Bowl with Packers and Chiefs would be incredible and I just love what I've seen from the Packers even though I don't really support them I don't like Aaron Rodgers that much Uh, but you just got to clap it up for when a team is playing great football, which is what they're doing. I hope you enjoyed this very long episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. And yeah, it's been Michael. Peace out.